highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Kyle Harper. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. Kyle Harper, welcome to One Planet Podcast and the Creative Process. Hi, Mia. Thanks for having me. And in your research, you know, there's in different approaches to in diseases and, and, and medical treatment. What interests you about different cultural responses to disease? Yeah, I mean, it, there's, there's really interesting questions about different cultural responses over time and space. So I'll give you one, one example that's a really interesting question. And I, I find it interesting because I don't fully know what I think, but we think of public health as a very modern and frankly, Western European concept that sort of starts in the 19th century. But when you think beyond Europe or when you think before the the 19th century, there may not be the word public health in quite that phrasing or configuration, but different cultures have thought about hygiene, cleanliness, health, collective responses to health and disease in ways that actually really shape human health. And so it's a very, I think it's a very open question. Like do do the Romans, the people that I spent a lot of my life studying, do they have a concept of of public health? How did their culture think of the, the relationship of one person's health to another? And what was the political approach to that? So, so I do think that, that different cultural responses really can frame human behavior in ways that really shape health and disease. And so for like the Romans, you know, they don't have a, a con- they have concepts of water and they probably are drinking actually relatively cleaner water than most people who live in big cities in pre-modern times, but they don't have, they don't build systems to get rid of human waste. And so their, their health is really impaired by, by that reality. So it's interesting to think like, what are the, the cultural framings that that shape their perception of the body and hygiene and the political response that's needed to to live together. So I I think there's lots of ways it's interesting. The humanities. And so you're also a professor of the classics. And I'm just wondering a little bit about your personal journey and what drew you to that and why you find it endlessly fascinating. Well, I do. And I was very lucky. I came to my local university and when I did, I had really limited experience and no knowledge um, of the, the fact that there were people who studied history for a living. And I had a really great teacher, just a really dynamic classroom teacher who had a passion for Roman history and was able to communicate that and to, to show why it was important, why it was inspiring and interesting. And I could only describe it as like falling in love. I just completely fell in love with history and knew that that's what I wanted to do. And so uh, I would have never expected that, that that would be the course that life would take, but that's just how it works. And I was lucky to get to find a way to go into a graduate program and have great mentors and find a way to become a researcher of Roman history. I am, I am a expert in Roman history. I love the Greeks too. I'm in a classics department, so I have to say nice things about the Greeks. But to me, Roman civilization is endlessly fascinating. It's so rich. There's so many ways in which it's both similar and different from ours. It's shaped um, our world in, in ways that are pervasive, sometimes visible, sometimes invisible. It's, I think, amazing to try and puzzle out. I and mean, a lot of being a historian is kind of 
trying to, to find a, a puzzle piece in a puzzle where you know we're missing a lot of pieces and trying to interpret and see what was there. So I love the the challenge of that and just the the wonder of of being part of um, a profession that over centuries has tried to to understand and reconstruct the the human past. And I think history is really important to understand where we are. I mean, even if our world is very different, we need a story of how we got here and and how it's changed and what our role in it. For my part, would say we should be open minded and look at the evidence. But as somebody who who spent a lot of time studying where um, diseases come from, it just seems like a, a very likely um, scenario that that a virus, and particularly this kind of virus, a coronavirus, um, emerged from a zoonotic reservoir naturally by evolution. And you know, I just hope we were able to get enough information to to kind of build a a strong fact based consensus around that and. That's, that's possible. There's some things we're never going to know, but there's good work going on trying really hard to, to go back and do basically contact tracing on the, the very earliest cases. And that may show where, where it really came from. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we're able to, to get good answers that, that command a broad enough consensus around what the, what the truth is and, and let us move forward. And if it, if it was a virus that escaped from a, a lab after having adapted to humans, that's unfortunate, but if that's what the facts are, it shouldn't make us shy of doing biological research. It really only underscores that that we have to research infectious diseases. We have to do it with very strong safety and security protocols. But hopefully, hopefully, the truth really comes out in a way that that people will, at least enough people will will be able to to get behind. Yes, and so you know, as you reflect on climate change and disease and the history of civilization, the challenges we face in the future, kind of world we're living for the next generation, how would you like some of our current systems and behaviors to evolve? Yeah, I mean, as we were as we were saying, I mean, it's it's all interconnected. So you can't expect to to control the the future of public health without really thinking about the the future of the environment more broadly. And, you know, if think about the, the challenges of, of global developments, and we need to remember that infectious freedom from infectious disease is not a privilege that's universally shared. And so in order to, to continue to improve global public health, it's vitally important that, that people in Poor countries have access to, to economic opportunities, economic growth, and economic, you know, human well-being is both a, a question of social development in a very holistic sense. The people have jobs that provide adequate food and clean water, as well as the elimination of, of dangerous microbes. And so the question is, how do how do societies continue to develop in a way that's that's globally equitable and sustainable? And that's you know that's a really one of the wicked hardest problems on the on the planet is how do we um, continue to to experience growth without having carbon emissions that make growth impossible, that continue to to hold societies in poverty, and that imperil human health and you, you know, health is not some kind of 
isolated problem that we can think of apart from broader questions of social development, globalization, as well as environmental sustainability. So in, in really profound ways, the, the challenges of carbon-based um, energy is, is connected to creating a sustainably healthy planet. You're, you're a teacher, and as you reflect on teachers and life lessons that were important to you, what would you like young people to know, preserve, and remember? Well, I have to, I have to say I'm a historian, so I, I'm really committed and, and right in the conviction that understanding the past is a really fundamental dimension, what it means to be human, of living a rich and responsible life as a, as a citizen. And to me, that was, you know, just life-changing to discover that. I thought history was something interesting or something that you had to know to pass a test. And I think it's so much more than that. I think it's really, you know, it's like memory. Um, part of knowing who you are, your, your selfhood is really um, put together by your experiences and the way that you synthesize those and understand them. And that's true for us collectively as it is for us as individuals that knowing where we've come from as a species, knowing how we got here is fundamental to knowing where we are and of course to choosing where we go. So I would just argue for, for sort of the, the existential importance of, of history as a, as a way of understanding ourselves. you've enjoyed listening to this podcast to listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews click on subscribe thank you for listening